Welcome to Waking Up from Breaking Up, the podcast all about breakups with real experiences from ordinary and everyday people. My name is Ira J, and I'm your host. In this week's episode, we are going to talk about men's health and specifically men's mental health in support of Movember. If you haven't heard of the initiative Movember, it is a global community that raises money for men's men's health in general, focusing on prostate cancer and testicular cancer and men, men's mental health and suicide prevention. Globally, on average, one man dies by suicide every minute of every day. The rate of male suicide is alarmingly high. In Canada, three out of four suicides are by men. So Movember looks at mental health through the male lens, focusing on prevention, early intervention, and health promotion. They're working towards a world where men take action to be mentally well and are supported by those around them. In this episode, we talk with my friend Keenan. He is very passionate about helping men and removing that negative stigma regarding men talking about their emotions and what's happening in their head. He opens up himself and what he's gone through and provides different options and that can help you or other people to get out of their heads um, and to make them feel better about themselves and what is happening in their life. And don't forget to stay at the reflection section at the very end when Keenan gives a little bit more input and uh, suggestions. And if you haven't yet, please follow us on Instagram at waking up from breaking up. Check out our website at website at waking up from breaking up.com. Leave us a comment, like us and promote. And again, thank you guys for listening and enjoy this episode. We had a mutual friend who you happened to be living with. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. But, like, what made us, con- like, yeah, she introduced us, but how- what made us bond, in your opinion? I think you and I like those conversations, like those deep, deep, deep conversations. I think that's what made us closer. What do you think? Yeah, I don't think it was just the topics of our conversations. I think it was just the energy. I'm not the kind of person who, you know, in social situations just wants to have kind of service level conversations what are we gonna do let's go out or you know i mean that's your favorite color yeah we have so much in common (laughs) that's all well and good but you know me i mean i think a part of it was having studied philosophy as my undergraduate degree right and just kind of made me not only a deep thinker but someone who was interested in having those kinds of conversations right yeah yeah i definitely i'm more intrigued of the human mind and heart i think Mm -hmm. i think i'm more connected with people who are able to be vulnerable and to show the human side. And I think that's what I really enjoyed about you because I do have a lot of male friends and they, and I think they feel safe around me to be vulnerable, but I think you were, I don't know if you're like that with everyone, but you definitely were like that with me right off the get go. I don't have anything to hide. Ah. But that's not all men though. You know, especially how society has shaped um, being vulnerable as weakness in a way, right? 
um, especially when I was younger. It's changed a little bit now, and which is a great thing, and I want to discuss that with you, mm-hmm. but especially when it comes to Movember. But when I was younger, women were considered, quote-unquote, crazy because they were emotional and they were expressing their emotions, and men would, especially some of the guys I dated when I was a teenager, if I was upset about something, they would say, out like, oh, don't be crazy quote unquote crazy, but you know, and they always thought it was a form of weakness. And so men, I find um, back then or now even suppress those emotions, the hardships that they're going through or the pain that they're going through because they don't want to feel or seem quote unquote weak. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's nice that that is changing and you know, there's, slowly a a lesser and you know stigma around men being able to speak about their feelings and be emotional right um with women and with other men as well but keep in mind right there's just centuries of this you have to toughen it up and soldier on and not be weak right and uh you know also the dynamics have changed with respect to how men were the primary you know, breadwinners, right? The patriarchy is slowly being deconstructed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> not, we're not fully there, but mm-hmm. you know, we're it's happening. And so, the I would again, I wouldn't say everything's fully equal, but you know, it's moving in that direction. And we'd like to be optimistic, thinking that someday it will be, you know, in the right place. Mm-hmm. What's the best way, other than Movember and all this stuff? Like, how do we break that stigma? of expressing emotions as a male figure or as a male is weak. I don't know the statistics, but more men commit suicide due to mental health and mental issues uh, than, like depression, um, than um, most women. Mm -hmm. Well, I think the answer to your question is twofold. I mean, there's the collective, you know, uh, standpoint with uh, regards to, Things like Movember or organizations or nonprofits or campaigns that are, you know, their mandates are to promote the importance of of mental health among Mm -hmm. men and men being able to be emotional and vulnerable and talk about their feelings. And then there's the individual level, right? And that just comes down to, you know, men doing the work themselves. And I should go back to the collective. I mean, there's also things like men's group, right? And I had participated in one of those myself. So there's, you know, essentially, you know, small groups of men coming together to, to work on these kind of things. And, and and they're not necessarily created for men to be emotional, vulnerable. I mean, that's a part of it, but it's, it's more to do with men coming together to support each other with everything growth related. Right. But then on the individual level, I mean, sorry. So it's a safe space for men to come together and express um, whatever they want to express without mm-hmm. any judgment. For sure. And I'm sure every man's experience um, will be different. Certainly in my group, every man's experience was unique, but all groups would be different. It depends on you know, what the group's all about. And my group in particular, there are many um, groups within a larger organization across Canada. Um, but yeah, I think the individual side is, is, is perhaps even more important, right? More and more men ought to do the work. And it looks different for every person, right? Uh, it could be seeking therapy, talking to counselors, or 
I think everyone should be in therapy. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Men or women. Yeah, and it doesn't have to be all the time, but you know, it definitely does a lot. It has a lot of power, um, in terms of being able to men, right. In terms of men being able to be comfortable, being more vulnerable. Right. So there's the therapy aspect, whether it's a, you know, a counselor or a psychologist, a psychiatrist, if you're needing medication, because that's what psychiatrists do. Yeah. I think the, the majority of the work just comes in, you know, in, in their minds, right. And how they think. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and this narrative of I've got to toughen up and be a man and, and kind of just bury all this stuff deep down inside. Ooh, the consequences that has, you know, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that'll, yeah. that'll come to bite you in the butt mm-hmm. at some point. And the longer you go without dealing with this stuff or moving through it or processing it, however you want to put it, the more challenging it gets later on in life. You know, next thing you know, you're in your fifties and you're, you have a wake up call. Oh my God, I've got all this stuff to process. And actually I met a man recently who had quite a traumatic life, uh, but was always, you know, taught by whether it was his family or society or even the narrative that he had in his head that it wasn't acceptable to, to spend time with those feelings or to talk about those feelings. And now in his fifties, he's realizing, um, all these demons or layers of, um, you know, negative self-talk or all, all the things that are in the subconscious that he's never processed. And now it's kind of, Oh my God, wow. And it seems like an impossible task. And I'm in my early thirties and, you know, I'm thankful. I'm grateful that I recognize these things, but it still seems like an impossible task. task yeah. Right. Um, it's one but, of the hardest things to do is to acknowledge that there's pain inside. Mm, yeah. And, and it's like anything in life, right? We tend to look at the big picture and, um, you know, the, the destination of where we want to be. And, and that'll drive us crazy and bring a lot of anxiety. We just have to take it one step at a time. And that could look like just going to see a counselor and having a conversation uh, about what you're dealing with in life, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the stresses you're facing now, it doesn't necessarily have to be like, let's say you have your first counseling session, right? You don't necessarily have to start talking about your core wounds, or your shadow stuff, or, you know, how you were traumatized as a child, but even the stuff that you're dealing with now, mm-hmm. for example, at work, these are my stresses or in my relationship, you know, communication is a big issue and I love her, but you know, we're really struggling with this. Like it could be present things that we're dealing with, but mm-hmm. see what that does. It starts to get you into this comfortable space, the safe space of being able to say, I could talk about these things. This is okay. And right. And it kind of like snowballs into this place where it becomes easier and easier and more normalized. Right. Mm -hmm. And what's even more special is when you can hang around other men that are in that headspace. Like, Hey guys, we can talk about this. Mm -hmm. And those are the kind of men that I like to hang out with. I mean, um, no judgment on men who aren't there because everyone's on their own journey. So you've joined this men's group. What was your mindset like when you first decided to join this group? Well, for quite some time, I've been into, you know, everything growth related in terms of, you know, me wanting to be my most expansive self and and spend time focusing on self-actualization and everything that that brings with it. But what brought me to men's group was I was talking to somebody about how um, frustrated and disappointed I was in myself that I was emotionally dumping on my partner Mm -hmm. and I felt guilty for, um, 
for leaning on her. But she never made you feel guilty. That was kind no. of all in your head and a bit. Yeah. Yeah. It was all, it was definitely in my head, but it also like in the real world had consequences. Right. You know, that was a lot for her to handle. Anyways, this, this individual said to me, um, you know, you really need to, to speak with men about these things that you can't, you know, dump everything on your partner or your friends. Yeah. And your friends can only, you know, help you to a certain extent. Um, and that's why therapy is important too. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, do you think this men's group was a form of therapy without a professional? I mean, I don't think that title would be used, but at the end of the day, what you're receiving is some sort of therapy. I mean, you could say that. Yeah. One thing that was really helpful at first was to realize that, Hey, most men are dealing with the same problems, right? So the first one that I um, kind of had brought to the table was that I'm so hard on myself. I'm like a drill sergeant, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, it kind of taps into my personal core wound of I'm not good enough, but, um, you know, and also trying to be a perfectionist doesn't help either, where it's just like, it's never good enough. It's never good enough. You know, there's no such thing as perfect. Yeah, of course. It's, it's certainly a flawed mindset. Yeah. But... Uh, when I brought that up in the group, I think it was my first meeting there. Um, yeah, other men shared, and I was like, "Oh my god, this is kind of not unique to me." Yeah. Um, so that was one piece that was very valuable was knowing that I'm not alone. And I'd say another really valuable piece to to it all was kind of being able to get these um, like reflections back on you, kind of like. You know, we we tend to be kind of tunnel vision and see things only one way. And so when another man can kind of give you perspective or an outsider's perspective on how he sees your life or your thought patterns and getting that reflected back at you. Yeah, uh, yeah really interesting stuff. Yeah. And um, how long have you been doing this men's group for? Uh, about a year and a half. And what perspectives have they had that you felt like you couldn't get with a friend um, other than them, you know, understanding that all men kind of go through it. I think something that that has been brought up many times in men's group, in my men's group, um, that has been kind of enlightening is, is the shadow, the shadow self, right? Mm. Um, Could you explain that a little bit, what that is? Ooh, that's a tough one. Um, yeah, like... Things about myself that I don't like or things about other people that I don't like. So, um, you know, if I were to see someone doing something and judge them for something, you know, now it's going a little bit deeper and asking myself, okay, well, why do I have that judgment about someone else? Or why do I have that feeling about someone else and looking within and realizing like this is, this is work, right? Looking deep within to realize, Hey, this isn't actually something I don't like about this person. This is something I don't like about myself. Okay. Great. Now, what do we do with that? Now we have to take another deep dive into why do I feel about my that about myself? And you'll usually realize that it comes from your core wounds, right? Or, you know, you can even look back in the timeline and say to yourself, oh my God, this is directly related to my childhood traumas, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so understanding those things are great and being able to do that in your head, especially the more you do it, the quicker it happens. It's kind of like, aha moment. Yeah. I'm not judging that person. I'm feeling this way about myself. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so 
okay, now what? You know, we realize that. And, and the now what piece is, is that's where the hard work is, right? Um, I'm very grateful to have to be able to recognize these things within myself because of understanding shadow yeah. self or the shadow work. And um, the next level of work is, okay, now what do I do? And again, going back to my previous point, you could get overwhelmed by it seems like it's this big thing. Like, how do I overcome that? Well, you just got to take it one step at a time. And the first step could just be talking about it, you know, in your therapy session or with a friend saying, Hey, you know, this is something that I feel about myself. It's, it's a judgment that I realize goes, runs deep. It's kind of related to my core wound and just talking it out, right? You don't have to figure it out overnight. Right. Yeah. That is really important. Like, um, I grew up seeing people around me judging other people for being a little bit overweight. And then when I kind of look at, and also being told as well, if I had gained a little bit of weight that I was overweight Mm. and so then looking at the people that say these things and then realizing now and having insight in the situation and knowing them, how insecure they were. Yes. And they, and people are projectors. Mm-hmm. What's happening inside, you project. Exactly. Yeah. And so I like to find myself with people who are inspiring. Everyone has insecurities for sure. Even the most confident people have insecurities, right? But they're more confident in themselves and knowing that their insecurities does not define, define who they them. are. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so I surround myself, like yourself, with people who do the work who are inspiring because I know how hard it is to, to do the shadow work, to acknowledge those things. And so people who are doing the work and finding those confidence in themselves, whether it's very little confidence, um, are super inspiring and will not project that negativity out into this world Mm. as much. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? And, And lack, and some, you know, I don't think you judge that much, to be honest. I think you judge yourself more than well, that's exactly it. other yeah. people. Exactly. And yeah. you brought up insecurities. That is that is the juicy, juicy stuff right there. <laughs> yeah. I think a lot of a lot of the shadow stuff comes from insecurity for sure. Yeah. We all struggle with insecurity on different levels. I certainly have for a very long time. And actually it's funny that we're having this discussion now because I'm going through this transformative stage of of overcoming that. And, and kind of exactly what you had just said about recognizing that this doesn't define me. This isn't who I am. This is just part of the human experience on, you know, in earth school, so to speak. Right. Yeah. It's yeah. The insecurity pieces is really tough for a lot of people for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What do you think about arrogant men <laughs> <laughs> or arrogant people, but we're talking about men today. So what is that? What would that look like? Arrogance? Like I'm the shit <laughs> or like, you know, Oh God. <laughs> What a pansy or something like that. You know what I mean? I've heard that before. Someone say, what a pansy. Can't do this. Can't do that. Or he's this. He's that. Yeah. You know? I mean, simply put, I think that's a coping mechanism. Yeah. And I mean, I'm no psychologist. And sure, I studied some psychology while doing philosophy. Um, It was more philosophy of psychology. But nonetheless, um, you know, without having the the psychology credentials, uh, I I think it's, it's a good assumption that, that comes from some deep, deep insecurity, right? Yeah. It's like, I, that's, that's a coping mechanism. I need to project this so that people don't see me. Mm. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Because I'm, me. because I'm insecure about that part of me and I don't want anyone to know. Right. Mm. 
I mean, I mean, Hey, listen, people, I love cars. Don't get me wrong. Like, <laughs> you know, I would love to have a car collection someday, but you know, some people are enthusiasts and other people just might want to drive a car because they're trying to, you know, show off. Right. Or, mm-hmm. or to, to hide from their insecurities. I mean, that's just one example, right? Or like, um, maybe show, yeah, their value. Mm-hmm. Yeah. As an individual and being monetized by showing off the car. Have you, how have you grown the most by going through this journey? That's a tough one. How have I grown the most? Well, I think a, a large part of it is <clears throat> being able to separate the thoughts from the, you know, like the I am piece, right? Um, my core wound is I'm not good enough, right? And our language is so powerful. And I've known this for a long time, but I didn't appreciate or embrace it as much as I should have until more recently. Um I think if you can add to any anything you might say to yourself, I am, just, just tweak it a little bit and say, I feel. Like, I'm not good enough. A byproduct of that was I'm bad, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, a first step could be I, I feel bad or like I feel like I've been bad, mm-hmm. right? Because it's more of a feeling than you identifying, identifying it with, you know, with that characteristic or that trait. Because if you, the more you say I'm bad or I'm not good enough, it just adds another layer and another layer into that subconscious. It's like the planting seeds analogy, right? Like if you if you plant, you know, unhealthy seeds or bad seeds, you know, what are they going to turn into? What are they going to blossom into beautiful roses? Now you've got to plant healthy seeds and you've got to water them with clean water, right? Mm-hmm. So that you can have a healthy healthy crops, right? Or healthy thoughts, right? Yeah. I think a big part for me was really just being able to, and again, this is, this has been a long journey and it's like, I'm going through the process of it right now. And I think it's a lifelong journey, but I'm just starting to realize the impact my language has had on my life and how it's effectively, I don't want to say ruined or destroyed because that's probably not healthy language to use, but it's really negatively impacted my life and, and impacted my quality of life. Mm-hmm. personally and in my relationships mm-hmm. and um something i struggle with as well as guilt and shame that's a huge one for for, for men or anybody too so mm-hmm. i i struggle with a lot of guilt and shame for the things i've done or the things i've said or even how my mental health has impacted my life and has has held me back how i have held me back right mm-hmm. i've gotten in my own way so many times i'm actually impressed with myself that i've gotten this far with having had dealt with all those things um yeah, it's been an interesting journey. Yeah. And then I'm sure it will continue to be an interesting journey. Mm-hmm. And it's not, there's some good days and there's some bad days. It's always in ebbs and flows and, and there's ups and downs and it's never a linear journey. For sure. Yeah. And, and, you know, if there's a, if for the men that would be listening to this, I, I really would like to emphasize the message of like, dude, it's brother, you know, it's okay to, to feel these things on your own. And it's okay to feel these things with other people and let it out and talk about it. You know, we're still kind of in the space of men don't cry, right? Yeah. Do it. <laughs> Get the cries out. You need to, you know, uh, this saying, you know, it, if I were to say to you, it's incredibly powerful and amazing and, and strong and courageous for, for a man to cry. 
some people would say, no, that's complete BS. That's, that's, that's not cool. Men don't cry. Right. We're still kind of in that space. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think that that's completely wrong and crying can be really healthy. Oh, it's such a release to get everything out. Yeah. Get it out of, out of you, out into the world and don't hold it and suppress it inside of you. Mm -hmm, Exactly. And it's part of working through or processing trauma or processing your shadow stuff, right? Yeah. Uh, your deep-rooted insecurities, um, you know, the hardships you've dealt with in life. It's okay. Yeah. Right? And that's part of the message. And that's why we're talking here because we need more things like this to encourage men to be able just to feel and share and work through the stuff. Um, I think um, <laughs> this is might be a little bit strange, but... Um, it, it is kind of like it does relate to the insecurity piece. Um, and it has to do with how like men interact and speak with other men. Like mm-hmm. a lot of people like, you know, at the gym or like walking down the street, like won't look a man in their eyes or like maybe some guy will like try to stand taller to like assert dominance or whatever. Like there's still this like kind of tension amongst men. Right. Mm-hmm. That, and it's kind of like the arrogant guy that you mentioned, right? It's like the insecurity, right? So a, a really good tool that you could start to use, and it, it might seem fake at first, but eventually it's like the fake it till you make it kind of thing. It'll become authentic or genuine is when men are speaking to other men, even if it's a complete stranger, to call them brother, right? So for example, if there's a lineup somewhere and uh, you know a man is like, hey, you can go in front of me. Cause you're like, Oh no, I, I'm going to be late for this meeting or whatever. And he lets you in you can say, thanks brother. I really appreciate that. Or if you're, if you get to the front of the line and the barista at the coffee shop is a, is a man and you know, whether or not he's nice to you or not, or whether or not it's a normal interaction where he's, he's, you know, overly amazing as a customer service guy. Just say, thanks brother. Have a great day, brother. Right. I mean, you don't have to say it multiple times. You know what I mean? It could be like, however you want to say it, but using the word brother kind of starts to break down that barrier you know what I mean? And creates a bond. Oh. I, it'd, be kind of, it'd be funny if like girls, if women did it like, hey, sister, thanks, sister. Uh, I do it all the <laughs> you time. Do it? <laughs> yeah. I haven't seen that I'm happen. Like, girl, yeah. that outfit looks good on your sister. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe not with that much attitude because I like, I don't have that much attitude. <laughs> I'm not that fly. <laughs> you know what I mean? I, um, I get that. But I think it's easier for women to do it, to be honest. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Um. But I'll tell you this, and it's been rare, actually, maybe like a couple, let's say like a handful of times a year. And actually it just happened the other day where someone I didn't know, uh, I helped, I did him like a, just a favor. Um, it was at an event and uh, there was a kitchen. We were all bringing uh, dishes back in because we all had a meal. Um, and I was just putting stuff in the, in the sink and he came up to uh, put his stuff in the sink. And I just said, hey, like, you know, I'll take that and I'll, I'll deal with it. He said, thanks, brother. And I'm just like, yes. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Right. Because <laughs> it it tears down the barrier, it creates a bond, and it, and it, and it kind of says, hey, we have a safe space to feel comfortable around each other. You know, we are equal. We are the same. We're going through the same human experience. I mean, we all have different experiences, but you know, we're all living on this earth as humans. Yeah. You know, like, oh, it's it's a beautiful thing. So, anyways, I I, I would encourage men to do that as well. Um, yeah. I think it's a really great tool also for um for starting to like look into that insecurity right yeah. rather than like you know pumping out your chest and standing tall and like yeah. not and like 
I'm better than you when I walk by you. Just and, and you don't have to say it to them. You could just be thinking like, hey, this guy, like, hey, brother, you know, you just think, think it to yourself. Like, hey, this guy probably is going through his own shit. shit. And yeah, you know, having that compassion as you like walk by somebody, right? Empathy and compassion, mm-hmm. exactly. I think comparison is probably the worst thing someone can do, especially, you know, when they're in a very depressive or a low mental state. Um, is comparing yourself to other people. And it, oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, it's another juicy one. Yeah. 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 I did that for a long time. And it uh, it's very torturous uh, to yourself. And, and in my situation, it also spilled out into my relationship. And I have a lot of guilt and shame that I'm trying to work through uh, because of the, uh, you know, comparing myself within the relationship and sharing that with my partner. Just so unhealthy for for me and for her and for us so um of course you have to work on these things for you it's it's a tough one yeah i know a lot of people struggle with it and, yeah um, i'm i'm grateful that i've started to overcome it yeah you know i think my biggest thing is like being at my age and then you know going back to my hometown and everyone's married have one or two kids and mm-hmm. you know and uh, and you know and being a woman who was made to believe that part of the reason or the only reason she was in this world is to bear kids. And so growing out of that and working through that, through that thought and not comparing myself to all my friends who are my age and have like two kids, some of them are already teenagers and just enjoying my life and my journey for what it is. It was so freeing. And how, how has that been for you? Yeah, very similar. Um, and it's, and it's, and it's been a, an, an issue, a struggle for, for quite some time um, because I've, and, it, and again, it goes back to the shadow and the core wound of I'm not good enough yeah. or I'm bad or, and you know, and then that of course like turns into other things. Like I'll never be good enough. Even right now, me saying that I shouldn't be saying this because it's yeah, repeating yeah. it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, I, I felt like I wasn't good enough. There you go. Yeah. Um, yeah, I would compare myself to people, um, because I was insecure in my purpose and my vocation. Uh, and when I was in school, when I was studying philosophy, I, I had that as well too, because for the first couple of years studying philosophy, I was thinking like, what the hell am I doing with my life? How am I going to turn this into a successful career? Right. But, um, beyond my academic trajectory, it was kind of like, okay, my career, um, how much money I was making, um, the purpose or the fulfillment that I received from my career, um, how much money I had in the bank account, you know, um, at the beginning of my last relationship, it was a serious issue for me. I didn't have a job at the time. I just left a job. I didn't have a lot of money. And this amazing person fell in love with me for who I was. Those things didn't matter to her. Right. But I was still stuck in all that nastiness of like, I'm not good enough in comparison. And Do you feel like because you were male and grew up with this, the men were supposed to be providers in quotations? Did you still did you, did that play a role at all? Or is it mm-hmm. more of that negative thought of I am not good enough? Yeah, I think it was both. Uh, I think it was both. And then, yeah, I mean, I could relate to, to you as well. Right. I mean, I'm in my early 30s and um I see a lot of people I grew up with having kids and buying homes and getting married. And 
I'd feel like shit about myself, you know, because I'd compare myself and my timeline and my journey um, as opposed to, you know, embracing the mindset of I'm on my own path yeah, and I'm going to land on my feet, whatever that looks like. You know, it's all kind of playing out as it should or it's all quote unquote happening for a reason. Right. Mm-hmm. And then to the detriment of my class relationship, too, I'd compare our relationship. Oh, hey, these people uh, who met after we did. They're now living together and getting married. And, oh, she's pregnant. And and I would beat myself up. Again, I'm not good enough. Like, I'm not worthy of having a relationship that would evolve into those things. And, and yeah, I mean, it, it was not healthy for, for me, for her, for the relationship. And so so overcoming the comparison thing is, is, is a challenge for many people. It has been for myself. But it's, it's so incredibly important because it's not... You're not living your most expansive, you're not living uh, your best life. You're not becoming your most expansive self. You're stuck, right? You're holding yourself back when you're comparing yourself to people, right? Mm -hmm. Let other people live their lives. Their journey is their journey, right? Do you, man. Yeah. You know, do what makes you happy and, 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 and let go, right? Yeah. There's, um, this like, uh, old story about two Buddhist monks who are walking through, I don't know, a desert or they're on a long journey, whatever. It's a very long journey. And at one point they come across a river crossing and there's a young woman who's standing there. I'm probably butchering the story, but <laughs> I'm doing the best I can. Anyways, these two Buddhist monks, one of them's like an elder one. He's, you know, he's a, he's a G. He's like the guru monk. He's, he's been in the game for a long time as a monk, right? Yeah. The other monk is a young monk. He's, he's um, you know, he's studying uh, under this guru. Anyways, they become a, uh, to a river crossing. There's a young woman there who's having a hard time. She can't cross the river. So the older monk picks her up and carries her across the river and then he puts her down and then a whole like day goes by and the young monk because they walk they're walking in silence the young monk says to the old one hey you know we're not supposed to touch women you picked up that woman and woman and carried her over the river and the older monk says to the younger monk he said yeah i I put her down the other day why are you still carrying her you know and and you can take that story and apply it to many different things. But in this regard of comparison, it's like, you got to let it go. You've got to put it down, right? We tend to get caught up uh, in these um, vicious cycles of thinking, whether it's comparison or in my case, you know, I'm not good enough. And like, we hold on to these things and we start to identify with them and they become so powerful in, in the sense of, their, their ability to do damage and hold us back, right? And so that's a part of growing up, of course, as part of, the, again, like the experience of, of being a human on an earth school. But um, I, it, this ties back to what I was saying before, right? Like talking about it. Let's just start getting talking about it and, it, it'll, and it'll eventually snowball uh, into, um, you know, being able to not only be comfortable, being vulnerable, but also working through the things, right? Because if you don't start talking about it, that's the first step. If you don't start talking about it, I don't know if, you know, you're going to be able to overcome. Yeah, it's all, it'll be bottled inside and it's never going to be released out. And it's just going to weigh you down, weigh you down, weigh you down. And you can't turn back anymore, right? Mm-hmm. Um, there's a saying, a lot of people say, it always seems to be greener on the other side. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's, I guess, part of what we've been talking about. It's. It's only greener where you water it, right? So other side is other people's life. For sure. And you never know what other people's experiences are. You could see a guy who's like, you know, maybe 
you know, you're really insecure about your financial situation and, you know, you can't afford a car and then you're walking down the street and you see a guy who looks your age and he's driving a Bentley or whatever. Yeah, <laughs> and yeah. you're, you start to think to yourself, oh my God, I'm a loser. I'm a failure. Uh, I can't, af- I can't even afford a Honda or whatever. And, um, but you don't know what this guy's story is. Maybe that's his grandfather's car. Maybe it is his car. And if it maybe is his he car, lives may- in that car, sure, oh. maybe he does. Or maybe he's like getting ready to like go cr- crash it into a pole because he wants to, you know, he's, he's not happy. He's depressed. Like, you don't know. So get over yourself, put it down, live your journey and, and, and do what makes you happy. Easier said than done, especially when we have these layers on layers and layers of, 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 you know, negative self-talk or trauma or whatever. Um, but again, first step, start talking about it. If you're not seeing a counselor, dude, go see a counselor, you know, or, or, just or therapist. Just go out with a friend right now. Sure. Yeah. If you can't afford a therapist, just get it out. And, um, yeah. And don't be ashamed of feeling low. I wouldn't say weak. It's just, I would say when you're not your full best self, when you're feeling low and in a depressive, unhealthy mental state, talk about it. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent holding it and holding it in never does, uh, does, does any good. And like I said, right. I met someone just recently who was in his fifties and had never talked about it because he was taught to not talk about it. Yeah. And now he's kind of having a crisis. Like, holy shit, I've got all this stuff to unpack. Yeah. Right. I mean, it's never too late. Thank God. Yeah. <laughs> he's figuring it out now. Yeah. Um, the only time when it's too late is de- on your deathbed. On your deathbed. Yeah, yeah, exactly. If you realize it then and there, yeah, for sure. And you realize that you didn't live the fullest life possible. And that, to be honest with you, is um, something I think about a lot mm-hmm. is the death piece, yeah. especially since yeah. having my own near-death experience um, is, you know, reminding myself that... Because uh, you got hit by a car. Oh, I didn't just get hit by a car. got run, run over by a by car. car. Yeah. yeah. And, um, it was a journey of having to, you know, relearn how to walk and whatnot. But there was, you know, a, a, a time at the beginning of, of that incident where... I was worried I might never walk again, right? Um, Do you think this is when this journey's kind of started? I think you've always kind of been in this journey of self-growth, but I think maybe it it went, I don't know, the trajectory of it changed higher or steeper. I will say this. It certainly provided perspective. I mean, (laughs) I was in the hospital for seven days, and when I came home, I had, like, no independence, right? They... I had a, a helper who helped with cooking and cleaning and helping me shower and getting changed and all this stuff. Right. And I mean, you know, me, I like anything that's inspiring or motivational and, you know, whether it's a book or a video, I, I like to hear other people's stories. So I'll never forget this. I was in my condo and, um, my helper, she was in the kitchen, uh, cooking a meal. And I'm sitting at my dinner table, which was right next to the window where I can see out into the street and people, you know, walk in doing their own thing. Anyways, uh, YouTube recommended a video entitled 90 year old man talks about the lessons of life. Right. So I'm thinking, Oh, this is going to be inspiring. This is going to be great. So I turn it on and, um, actually it was kind of not inspiring. (laughs) It was this 90 year old guy who, you know, was talking about his life. He pretty much never went outside. He had little independence. He, had a helper who was helping him getting changed and showering and cooking and cleaning. And 
Uh, he had talked about how sad his life was when his wife passed away. And I'm thinking, this isn't really motivational and I'm not really getting much of, of this. And I turned it off before it ended. But uh, I then looked up and I realized like my helper <laughs> in the kitchen taking care of me. Right. And when she was cooking and I kind of had this aha moment of, oh my God, like I, I'm not 90, but I was what, 29 at the time. Like I know what it's, I feel like I have a window into seeing what it's like to be that age. And it kind of gave me this perspective of how I have been living my life and how I want to live my life. And I also looked out the window at all the people walking on their two legs, thinking to myself, oh my God, like I'm so envious. I have so much jealousy that these people can walk right now. And I said to myself, when I, when I, could, when I walk again, I'm going to do all the walking. Yeah. And I had a new appreciation appreciation just for walking, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, so s- certainly that experience um, changed my life and changed the way that I look at things. And, and you know, going back to what we were speaking about just now, um, it allowed me to realize uh, that the way that I would talk to myself, the way that I viewed myself in the world uh, wasn't healthy and that I just couldn't continue to live like that. And it took some time working through that. And I'm not nearly at the finish line, but um, it was certainly a wake up call. Yeah. So, um, so that's great. Like, let's sum sum it up. You know, if if a man is feeling depressive or a low mental state, talk about it, get it out, see a therapist, talk to your friends, possibly join men's group, but acknowledge it. um, And, and don't be ashamed of it. Yeah. And I'd also add in like, to um, get outside of yourself. And what do I mean by that? Well, whether or not you're in a high place or a low place, and this is especially if you're in a low place. And I was talking about this the other day, right? Um, you know, we, when you opened up this conversation, you had mentioned, you know, depression and suicide being really rampant uh, yeah, among true. men, right? You know, I've been in some really, really low places in my life, right? Mental health is something I've struggled with ever since I was like 13 years old. Mm-hmm. Um, I have come to learn that not only talking about it is helpful, but there's actually two other things. Um, one is just doing small things, whether it's like taking out the trash or like cleaning up your place. Like get, like when I say get out of your own head, get out of you, like just do something, Right. And um, the more powerful one than just doing something like taking out the garbage or cleaning up your place or whatever is doing something for someone else. Without expecting anything. Exactly. Something altruistic. And uh, I'll never forget this. Um, I was, you know, coming out of this. I was in recovery. I was on crutches at this point. This is after the incident. Um, I uh, had a rental car because I couldn't drive my car. That was stick. My, my leg wouldn't work on the clutch. I just didn't have the strength. And so I had this rental car. It was an automatic. And me and my partner, we were driving to um, to meet somebody. And uh, when we arrived there, I, I just was so depressed and lost and stuck. And I just felt paralyzed. Like I couldn't move. And she said to me, we don't have to go. We can just go back home. And um, when I was driving home, I just like, I just didn't want to live. I was just in this dark, dark place. And when we got home, I just parked the car. And I, again, so paralyzed, like I didn't know what to do. And I, I, I reminded myself, hey, when you've been in places like this before, you've done something for someone else and it helped you snap out of it. You were able to like get out of your, your own head, right? 
And so without even telling her what I was going to do or what I had planned, we, um, we got out of the car and we walked down the street and, uh, I walk into a Tim Hortons and, uh, I don't know in her head, she was maybe thinking like, I just want to get a coffee or something like that. Um, but I said to the people behind the counter, I was like, I want 40 donuts. <laughs> <laughs> and she's like, you know, the person behind the counter is looking at me like, are you crazy? I'm like, no, no, no I want 40 donuts. Um, so anyways, long story short, we end up buying all these donuts and we were near the downtown east side in Vancouver and we just end up handing out donuts to, uh, people who are experiencing homelessness. And, um, it was just something like that. It's just so powerful, like getting out of your own head and, 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 and it also helps cause you realize like, Hey, I'm not alone. You know, there's people, people out there who are struggling too. Um, but just the act of giving and making it about someone else. And and then and then knowing that you can bring a smile into someone's day, mm-hmm. it's just such a powerful tool to get out of your own head and and, and become unstuck. Because in that moment, in moments like that, I felt stuck, and I know other men are are feeling stuck, and sometimes they don't know what to do with it. So unfortunately, a lot of the time, they just suppress it and keep it inside and try to move on with their day. But oh boy, is that going to again come back to bite them in the butt? Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So doing things for other people um, is a really powerful tool to overcome. Um, anxiety, depression, uh, you know, if you're feeling like you don't want to live anymore, it's just one of the most powerful things you could do. It could be as small as just handing out donuts. It could be anything. Yeah. Yeah. It could, it could just be one donut. Yeah. And uplift someone's day. Cause that is confidence in yourself as well. Yeah. And, and I, I remember one person said to my partner, uh, they said to her, oh my God, I love you. Thank you so much. Of course, you have all these different types of people. Some people are like, can I have two donuts? Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. And But other people will be like, thank you so much. Thank you so much for coming out. And again, like it doesn't matter how people respond because this is just about, you know, giving and, and, and bringing value to other people. But when they do respond in that way, it's like even more fire for you feeling, being able to feel good because you can see like there's empirical evidence now that you have provided value that you've lifted someone up and, and, Oh, it's, it's beautiful. It really is. Oh, I love that. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much, Keenan, for sharing your story. Of course. I think that's amazing that you did that. And um, by the way, I noticed this, you said, and I love it. You said experiencing homelessness. Mm-hmm. Most people say these are, um, I went out and gave donuts to people who are homeless. Well, I, yeah, that's really the, the language that has been popularized. But it, it's again, it's the language that we use. It's so powerful, whether yeah. or not it's how we're talking to ourselves or how we're talking about other people, people, right? Yeah. Someone who's, if you say this person's homeless or I handed out donuts to homeless people, like just using that language, it's like defining these people as homeless. Like that's who they are. And it's not, it's just they're people and they're experiencing homelessness, homelessness. right? Yeah. Which I love. So thank you so much for sharing this journey. and. Thank you for being on our podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's always a pleasure to have these conversations with you. You're a gem. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to this week's reflection section. I really do appreciate how vulnerable Keenan was and how he picked himself up from his most depressive state. Uh, accident like that can debilitate someone physically, mentally, and emotionally. And at the time, he definitely had a lot of support with his 
friends and family and his partner at the time. And um, yeah, but he really had to do the work to pick himself up and to improve his life physically, but also mentally and emotionally and not be a victim. And he really did work hard and I'm very proud of him. And he did for this reflection section, he wanted to add a little bit of something <laughs> uh, to his uh, interview. And so here it is. Hey, 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 Ira J. It's your boy, Keenan, hitting you up with a voice note for your reflections on our podcast interview. One thing that I thought about after our interview that I completely forgot to bring up when we were speaking was, you know, when I was talking about men approaching other men with the term brother, right? Like, hey, brother, excuse me. Or like, you know, whatever, whatever it might be that you're saying to a stranger, uh, whether it's like, hey, man, can you you know, get out of the way. It's like, oh, excuse me, brother, right? Just using that term really has a powerful effect in breaking down an invisible barrier um, and creating trust and connection with a complete stranger. And of course, you know, saying that with your friends and people you know as well builds trust and uh, some level of intimacy between uh, close friends. So what I wanted to say was, and this can apply to, to, to anyone really, but uh, just because we're talking about men, you know, we can use that term when speaking to ourselves as well, right? Because, you know, of course, in order to show up for other people and inspire other people and support other people, we need to do those things for ourselves. We need to support ourselves and inspire ourselves. And 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 um, so being able to support ourselves and validate ourselves with that kind of language um, is really powerful as well. And it doesn't necessarily have to be, you know, <laughs> me talking to myself, calling myself brother. It could be right on a tough day, like, Hey brother, you got this, you know, times can be tough. And I know today's a really hard day and you're struggling, but you know, you've persisted, you've overcome so much. You go, you know, like being, being your biggest cheerleader. Uh, of course, like I said, you don't have to use the term brother. You can just say, Hey, you know, Keenan, it's, it's a rough day. You know, you've got all these things going on in your life, but you got this, so you're going to land on your feet, right? Having that, that dialogue, that inner dialogue with yourself is, is incredibly powerful. And, and the reason brother could, could be you know, powerful on another level is if you can actually picture yourself as your older brother speaking to you now, right? So, you know, right now I'm 31. I could picture 41 year old Keenan looking, you know, looking beside me and there's, he's right next to me saying, you know, Hey brother, you got this man. Like, you know, you're a kind, compassionate soul. You want to create value in the world. You want to help others. You know, you're ambitious, you're et cetera, et cetera. Like just encouraging oneself with that self-talk is is super powerful so yeah i wanted to add that that you know speaking to other men uh with that term is, is really great but also being able to show up for ourselves and and have that that relationship with ourselves is incredibly powerful and it's something that i've come to realize very recently and i'm um I'm starting to implement my life because a big challenge for me that's something that i've struggled with for a long time is having a relationship with myself and so uh, yeah, hope that helps. And that's definitely one thing I wanted to add. And thank you again so much for your time. You are awesome. And we will talk to you soon. Cheers. And I 100% agree with Keenan's reflection there that how we talk to ourselves is imperative in what is happening in our mind. Because what we say to ourselves affects how we think, affects our mood. And 
talking to yourself in a positive way. And, you know, like he said, call yourself brother or sister. You got this. You know, being your own cheerleader helps so much. But if you are struggling out there with depression or anxiety or anything like that, anything in your head that's not right, please do not be afraid to reach out. You are not weak. The first step to recovery and healing and getting support is by speaking up. And that's what Movember is all about. They are aware by the increasing number of men who take their own lives around the world. And they are working to ensure all men, boys, look after their mental health and are comfortable to reach out to others for support when they are struggling. So please reach out. Yes, those conversations don't always come easily, but they are helpful and they will change your life. As indicated in Movember, Canada, go beyond small talk. Being a man of more words isn't about dialing up the banter. It's about carving out space for meaningful chats about the bigger stuff in life. From talking about the kids, the bills, a new job, or a setback, the right conversation can make all the difference to a man who might be struggling. If we all dig a little deeper, we can help prevent more men from reaching a crisis point. If you're having thoughts of suicide or are worried about someone else, Movember has created a support program called Talk Suicide, where you can connect to a crisis responder for help without any judgment. Call 1-833-456-4566 toll-free anytime or text 45645 from 4 p.m. to midnight Eastern Standard Time. And if you're ever worried that someone's life is in immediate danger, call 911 or go directly to emergency services. And this is more reason to be honest with your words, be kind with your actions, be fearless with your heart, and be brave enough to be vulnerable because it could change your life. Thank you guys for listening and lots of love. Thank you.